We believe running is freedom and empowerment. We believe running solves problems and makes people happy. We even believe that if more people run, the world will be a better place. We believe in running because it is our passion. This is the Big Peach Running Company Run ATL Podcast with your host, Mike Cosentino. Hello, everyone. My name is Mike Cosentino. Once again, I am with our friend Dolomite Dave Martinez, D2, and I are coming to you from the capital of the South. This is the Run ATL Podcast. It is our privilege to bring you this content. We have an exciting and a very personal show to us to bring you today. Thank you for tuning in and D2 Always a pleasure to be next to you. Yeah, and we've got quite a quite a uh, bit of content to kind of to go over. Indeed, we and, do. And uh, you know, one of the things that we want to start off uh, first is to congratulate Brent and Kyle Pease. As we mentioned in previous episodes, that they were competing in um, the Ironman World Championship in Kona. Um, that has been a long time goal of theirs, and they got in um, and they got the invitation, and they went out. And it is one of the most brutal courses uh, on the triathlon circuit, and with good reason. The there's a, there's a heat, there's humidity, there's winds, and it's just a, a tough course. And that is why it is the world championship. Indeed. And uh, so you know, had to look up the results. Um, you know, I did follow throughout the day. And, uh, you know, Brent was not really concerned about the swim, and rightly so. I mean, he ended up swimming um, with Kyle one hour, seven minutes, and 33 seconds with a two-hour. That is a fast swim. Yeah, and it's a two-hour and uh, 20-minute cutoff, so they had plenty of time. And just for those that are not familiar with, you know, what is fast, what isn't, the professional men are swimming under an hour. They're probably in that 40, uh, 54 to 56-minute range, and the women, you know, kind of there as well. Uh, middle of the pack is probably going to be an hour and 30 minutes, you know, and, you know, the, the back of the pack may be in the two hour, you know, and plus, you know, group. So to swim an hour and seven minutes and 33 seconds, that's pretty fast. I mean, he was up there swimming with probably some of the pros and maybe even some of the fast age groupers. Um, uh, the bike is where Brent was con- concerned. And because Kona is is known for, you know, having, you know, being very windy in the high winds of, you know, typically 20, 30 miles an hour, cross winds where you, if you can, it'll, the wind can literally blow your bike over, you know, several feet because of the cross winds and even wind gusts anywhere from 40 to 50 miles an hour. Um, you know, this year they, they got lucky. It's one of the best conditions they had. The wind was, was very low. So they were able to do the bike in eight hours, 22 minutes and three seconds. So they got uh, done with still an hour and 20 minutes before the cutoff. So that was one of the things that Brent was, uh, you know, Kyle were very concerned about. Um, so they had plenty of time. And I think because he put so much time in the bank and the swim allowed them to make sure that they were, you know, um, you know, completed. And then the run, you know, they're very confident with that. They did it in four hours, 45 minutes and 54 seconds. Two hours and 31 minutes before midnight, before the cutoff, and with a finish time of 14 hours, 29 minutes even. So, and that right there is a very respectable, you know, finish for any person. And but for Brent and Kyle to do it as as a as a team to be, you know, Brent to be pulling Kyle in, in a in a kayak, an inflatable kayak to you know bike ride, and then to push you know Kyle that distance. That's incredible under those conditions. So congratulations to both. Congratulations indeed. And like we said at the onset, very personal for us. We feel like we've had a chance to journey with these two special men 
all year long. For those of you who have been with the Run ATL podcast for some time, as part of our collective celebration, perhaps go back and listen to either of the two episodes that we've had with them this year. We introduced you to them in episode 22 first, and then our first ever live Run ATL broadcast was also with these brothers. That was episode 36. Of course, for those of you who are new listeners, welcome to you. We are glad you have come aboard, and we would say, yes, go back and perhaps listen to every single episode, but if nothing else, do yourself the favor of tuning in to 22 or 36 to get to know Kyle and Brent D2, like you said. Congratulations, congratulations for sure. And this episode also very personal. In fact, it links me to what Brent and Kyle are doing. They are not done. This was not the final chapter. We talked about that, of course, on the live broadcast. And one thing we know is this is one more achievement, but they have many, many more ahead of them. In fact, to see where their calendar will take them and to see how you can connect with them locally, we would suggest going to the Kyle Pease Foundation. That's kylepeasefoundation.org. You'll also have an opportunity, if you've not already done so, to make a donation to the work they do to ensure that sport is as inclusive as possible and certainly bringing more and more people into the fold and the satisfaction that comes with doing things like what they did in Hawaii. The way it also links to other content on this particular broadcast, we had a listener and a guest that brought something to our attention, that we'd spend so much time talking about running, talking about walking and what we refer to as a pedestrian active lifestyle. And of course, that is our primary responsibility as we encourage, as we empower, as we inspire and inform you through this particular medium. But they said, what about running a business, not just running and all that can be done through the sport, but you guys, I'm sure, have incredible lessons from running a business, not just being runners and going running and how right they are, D2. We have the ability to talk about what has impacted us so much and led us to any relative success. Next year, as you know, will be 15 years for Big Peach Running Company. We have plenty of mistakes that we've had an opportunity to learn from. And of course, we have a number of items that we just now know are part of our story and just as importantly, will be part of our future. So we are going to spend 30 minutes in the next two episodes unveiling much of that, much of it being content we've never covered in the past and celebrating the Small Business Saturday that is quickly forthcoming in 2018 and taking this as an overdue, a very important and very personally meaningful opportunity for D2 and I to say thank you to our listeners, to the guests of Big Peach Running Company, and to all who have supported us over the course of now a decade and a half. And then D2, we won't stop there. After those 30 minutes, it is time to talk safety. Time change right around the corner, much more darkness coming our way. And even though runner, walker, pedestrian safety is always on our mind, this is an awesome time to provide some really important instruction and some great reminders. Absolutely. I mean, um, you know, 
as we all know, the days are getting shorter. You know, the you know, nights are getting longer. We're running in the dark. The time changes are going to affect us a, a bit as well in the uh, coming weeks. So, um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, stories out there about, you know, runners, you know, potentially getting hit by cars, even cyclists, you know. So we want to be able to not only, uh, you know, educate and inform, but, you know, provide safety tips and ways of, of protecting your, you know, yourself, um, you know, looking out for others to make sure that you're still able to enjoy an active lifestyle um, because it's just there's no reason for you not to if you are able to take some precautions. That will be important, shareable information right after this break. Part one of running a business you'll love and the safety tips, reminders, and tactics you'll need as we get ready for the time change. Do not go anywhere. We'll be right back after this quick break. It's been a long, hot summer, but cooler temps are finally here, and so are new fall run ATL shirts. We've got seven new fall styles and colors for both men and women. Look good and feel good with a soft cotton-like material but constructed with technical fabrics to wick moisture away so you can stay warm. Need something a little more casual? We've got some tri-blend shirts for that comfortable, casual look when you're just relaxing. These shirts are available at all seven Big Peach Running Company locations and online at BigPeachRunningCo.com. And welcome back to the Run ATL Podcast D2. We said this would be personal. We're putting ourselves out there this episode. And for 30 minutes next episode, I'm going to have a lot of fun with this. I believe you will as well. So to our listeners, that setup is to give you brief indication of what is coming. We are running a business that we love. We're not just runners. We have the good fortune of working in the running industry, but it's not what you might think. Well, my goodness, anybody who likes to run as much as these two do probably would enjoy this as a place to work, an occupation, perhaps even a career. I don't believe we believe it's that simple, but I do believe we believe we are in the best place for us. Here's what I am going to start off with. A little history, storytelling, if you will. Big Peach Running Company opened its first store in May of 2004. Oftentimes, people will ask me, well, what generated the original idea or what prompted you, Mike, to go ahead and take that leap of faith that now, 15 years later, you'd still be around and enjoying it just as much to be completely candid. And for those of you who are our age, you'll remember this perhaps the same way that we do even to this day. And yes, one of the ideas that was spawned in the aftermath of tragedy that was September 11th, 2001 was Big Peach Running Company. For me in the year 2000, as part of cascading into that new millennium, I had qualified and signed up for three events in 2001, the Boston Marathon in April, the Western States Endurance Run D2 that we've recently talked about in June, and then Ironman Florida. That was my 2001 plan. That was a race in April, in June, and in November. Boston Marathon, to this date, still my second fastest marathon ever was on that wonderful day in Boston in 2001. Western States, as I mentioned in the podcast, one of the most enjoyable days of running for me ever. It was just an awesome experience. And as this year was unfolding, I felt myself thinking, my goodness, I have the good fortune at the time at the Coca-Cola company of working with so many good retailers. Retailers you've heard of, the Home Depot, 
Walmart, Safeway, Kroger companies, CVS, retailers that you know, even if you don't know what their business plans might read or what their backstories are, and became more and more fascinated about retail as an industry and thought, if I can somehow come to the intersection of my personal passion, which was so rabid in what I was doing in and around endurance sports, and marry that with my professional aspirations, which were quickly and abundantly becoming more towards the retail sector than what I had known in marketing and distribution previously, that that would be an awesome place to be occupationally. So in between that Western States buckle that I had achieved and then now transitioning to doing some swimming and some cycling to complement my running fitness, of course, September 11th occurs. And I go to Panama City Beach for Ironman Florida, and it was just a very surreal. There was a lot of conversation around everything, of course. Do you go on? How do you respect what had happened? Do you minimize it by some of these trivial pursuits like showing up at the starting line of an Ironman? Of course, the race did take place, and with everything that had been on my mind going into that race, and then you inject something like September 11th, you come out of it saying, yes, I should do this. You get one chance, and sometimes there are instances where you don't get a chance to finish what you started, or you don't know what tomorrow brings, or if tomorrow comes your way. And so by the time 2002 started, I was committed to seeing Big Peach Running Company as a concept needed to happen. Well, here's first lesson, and here's what you know, D2. We all have these stories. There are those things that just simply get in the way. We opened our first store, as I said, May of 2004. That was two and a half years after September 11th. So what happens? The first question I would ask, and I would say, here's a lesson. It's a lesson for me that I learned most in that transition, but that continues to apply and apply itself with some usefulness to me to this day, and that is, well, what is holding you back? And for me, I can tell you that it was 11 different banks before we actually found financing to be able to support our dream of being able to get a lease, to be able to buy the inventory, to be able to have confidence that we could make payroll without significant amounts of revenue when we started. The 11 banks that turned us down under an SBA application, which is amazing. I don't know if it still works this day. I am certainly no expert. It was fascinating to me that 80% of the loan, D2, was covered by the feds. 100% of the interest on the loan was going to go back to the local bank that funded it. But I heard time and time again, well, I don't really understand run specialty. Why wouldn't you shop at a sporting goods store? Or the banker would not be a runner and think, well, what's the difference between buying running shoes than what it is buying pleated footwear or purchasing Sperry topsiders if you're going to the boat for the weekend? And so running into all that lack of awareness of what could be done wasn't what was holding me back. In addition, without any real estate experience on the commercial side, we spent over 19 months trying to find the right deal. There were so many commercial real estate agents that would not talk to someone who did not have an existing lease, was not part of a national brand, even if it was a franchisee for some where they can claim that. That was not us. But that wasn't what was holding us back. Manufacturers that occasionally would say, well, we don't know if we're going to open you unless somebody else does. That wasn't holding us back. What was holding us back 
was a lack of self-confidence for a while. And that is, could we do this? Could I leave the job that was paying me very well, the office conditions that were very cool, the travel accommodations that were luxurious by some standards and how I travel today, and certainly some of the resources that I had immediate access to. Could I walk away and truly be satisfied leaving all that in the background? So when I ask the question, what is holding you back? I would ask you to go to what are your core principles as an individual? And if you find that your core principles do not align with what you are doing currently, you have no other choice if you are going to be true to yourself. You need to make the change. D2, I don't know if there is an instance in your life where all of a sudden you find this friction between who you are as an individual and what you're doing, and you just ultimately have to answer it. Well, I came into Big Peach, you know, you know, a, a little differently. For me, it wasn't really a choice at the beginning because I very much like you came from a very corporate type of world. Um, you know, I was an art director at a local TV station um, and, you know, I was there for eight years and I thought this is what I want to do. I, I, you know, went to school for, for broadcasting and, and worked in, you know, as an intern through television, local TV and, and worked my way up through various different departments um, you know, in the production background, doing audio, doing video, and getting into graphic design, and and being self-taught, and moving up to where I moved up to basically the at the time I still think it remains the ninth largest market in the U.S. in TV. You know, uh, as an art director, you know, coming from Orlando, Florida, which is like somewhere in the twentieth, so it was a big jump for me. I was like, oh wow, there carries a little bit of prestige and all that. Mm -hmm. But I was doing it for eight years, and I think it was somewhere probably around year six where I was like, oh, you know just not really happy doing what I'm doing. And I think much like you, you know, where it's like, well, I knew I wanted to do something else. I wasn't quite sure. I hadn't quite figured it out. It's like, what am I going to do when I grow up? You know, and... Um, Six-year itch. Yeah. And, you know, I think it got, you know, got more itchy by year seven, you know, but I wanted to have a little bit more time to kind of figure out. Problem is, it wasn't up to me. You know, a company made a choice and my contract ran out and it was not renewed. So by the end of end of uh, year eight, I was let go. Luckily, I had, you know, put some money away and I had, you know, um, some savings. And I could go, OK, great. I've, I don't have anything to worry about. I've got some time to figure things out. And so I ventured on my own and started out my own business doing graphic design and doing photography and just doing a variety of different things that I had the talent to do. But I wasn't really a business owner. I didn't know how to do, you know, run a business. So, you know, how do you reach out? How do you get new clients? How do you do all this stuff? And it's, you know, Facebook is starting out and I was skeptical about what Facebook could do and what it could provide. And so I floundered a bit and, and at the same time, you know, I wasn't in the best shape of my life. And I always said that if I had more time, I would be in better shape because I was working in a corporate environment where I was probably working 50 to 60 hours a week. So last thing I want to do when I got home was like, oh, let me go out for a run. It's like I just put in, you know, 11-hour day. I'm exhausted and I got to get up, you know, early in the morning and make the commute, you know, just to be in the office by 8 a.m. So I'm not getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning to get a run in. I didn't feel like it. So now I'm like, I'm working from home. I've got the schedule. It's like, well, everyone else is slaving in their cubicle. I was like, I'm going to go out for a run. And so I actually went into uh, a Big Peach uh, indicator. And got fitted for shoes and started, you know, running with a group run and found out that, you know, through training, through consistency, I really enjoyed it. 
And that expanded me into, you know, doing triathlon, something that was kind of like on a bucket list. Let me just do one. And I got hooked. All of a sudden, I'm like, I really enjoy this. I really want to do something in this industry. And through my time, you know, as a customer, as a guest at, you know, Decatur, I'm like, I kind of like Big Peach Running Company. I kind of like the environment. I like the people. I'm like, if this whole freelance, you know, business owner thing doesn't work out, it's like, that's, that's where I want to work. And eventually that's what kind of came down to. It's like, I needed something a little bit more of a steady income. And I was like, I'm going to go in, I'm going I'm, I'm to work. I'm like, and I, you know, initially I did think that I would come in doing some sort of marketing creative type stuff, but there was no position for that time. And I'm like, I'm going to work my way up. I'm going to figure it out. I was like, I'm going to go in, I'm going to learn the business. And that's kind of where I got my start. So, and that's a, a great setup because I think where you and I now are is this, you know, place where, of course, tomorrow's still uncertain. And this is a very competitive industry and nobody's going to suggest that brick and mortar retail has it all figured out every day. You look at stock prices or the Wall Street Journal and there's retailers out crushing it in every segment. But it is that I wanted to be in retail. You knew where your strengths were. And now to be able to attach that personal passion of ours in and around fitness. So when we talk about, well, what is holding you back? You also are able to bring to the conversation through what you just said. You started, you started as one of our guest advocates. That's the most valuable position at Big Peach Running Company. We say everyone starts as a guest advocate. Nobody leaves that position. And a guest advocate, that term in our organization might be called a sales associate or might be called a salesperson in other organizations. It's the person who is going to greet you at the door. It's the person who is going to ask the right questions. It is the person who is going to perhaps lead you through our fit process or to where certain merchandise might be in our stores. But more importantly, they're going to do things that are far more meaningful through the questions they ask, the information they might share, some of the guidance they might give, and the guest advocate role is so critically important, but it was hourly for you. Long gone were the days of a consistent, bountiful check every two weeks. Long gone were the days of a predictable schedule that you would, well, and for you, I know you've said in the past that the 24-hour news cycle did inject a decent amount of unpredictable nature right. into your schedule. But for those people who are like, well, I don't know how much I appreciate nine to five. Or I don't know how much I appreciate having weekends off until all of a sudden that's no longer the case. And in retail and what you were doing, that predictability went away. You no longer had weekends. Right. You now might be working a lot of hours, some of them in the morning, some of them until after we were closed. So you obviously went through that, elected to say, that's not holding me back. Lesser wages for now. Doing different work than what I was doing and giving up that flexibility of saying, I know what my schedule is next Tuesday and perhaps six Tuesdays from now did not hold you back. Yeah, as, as a guest advocate, there's something there that I didn't realize I was missing at the time. And, you know, for the first time, I felt fulfilled. And, and that's and that's something that I, I didn't realize at the time. And I, I, I wish I, I knew where I heard this quote, but I, I did write it down. And I, it was through one of a, a podcast I'm sure that I listened to. It says, the feeling of fulfillment comes from the exertion of time and energy for someone else. And that's what you do as a guest advocate. When someone comes in, they're looking for help. They're looking you know, to a solution to a problem. And as a guest advocate, you take that time to listen, to figure out a solution, to figure out what their needs are. And then when they 
when you provide that, they will actually thank you for it. And that's something that I realized very early on is that when I was working in a corporate type of environment, you rarely got a thank you. And, you, and, and at least it wasn't sincere if you got it. But the first time I got it from someone that actually came that was true, truly being sincere for me helping them all of a sudden realize that they can now run and run comfortably, that they can now achieve a goal, whether it's you know crossing a 5K or maybe it's weight loss, all of a sudden that made a huge difference. Well, and that might be different for everyone, but what's not different, and the reason that we would ask you to think about this answer to our first question, what's holding you back? The two terms that I'm going to reiterate right now, Dave's being fulfilled or fulfillment. If you are not feeling fulfillment in what you are currently doing occupationally, and then secondly, the friction that I mentioned with your personal your core values as an individual, your aspirations in terms of where you know your mind and your heart is well positioned, then the question isn't so much what's holding you back because you'll figure out a way to make it work with the lesser wages. You'll figure out how to way to tolerate bank after bank after bank saying, no, you're not where we would elect, elect to place this loan. You'll figure out a way to tolerate a delay on wherever might be the best space to spend some time working or an office or a retail location. You'll figure that out. But we would offer what is holding you back if it is not fulfillment ultimately and it is not where you can reduce or eliminate that friction between what you're doing and who you are. The question instead would be what other option do you have? Because that never goes away. If you remain unfulfilled and if you allow that friction to stay in place, it is one of those things that eventually you just have no other option in front of you. So now we go forward. We have our first store that is open in 2004, and we learn very quickly that what our estimation was, that a guest service foundation would make all the difference in the world was so true. And as we look at a couple of terms that, although overused, if you look at their core definition, there's so much there. First of all, retailers love to use the word experience. For those who have said, yep, I've heard it before, I've seen it in a business plan, or I see it on the wall at a retailer or a restaurant somewhere that we're going to provide an exceptional experience, I'm going to take you to the definition. Mr. Webster did it this way, and I will say D2, this is one of those areas where I'm like, thank goodness for the semicolon, because here's why. The first part of the definition is the totality of the cognitions given by perception. And you might think, what what did he say? What exactly is the totality of the cognitions given by perception? I would say, hang on, here comes the semicolon. It steps in, and then after the semicolon, it says, in the Webster's New World Dictionary, all that is perceived, understood, and remembered. All, 100%, every single item, every element, all that is perceived, understood, and remembered, that is what comprises an experience. And we set our foundation to focus on two things that are really, really massive buckets. Number one, the environment we provide for our guests. And number two, the interaction 
we have with our guests. Is the cleanliness of our restroom part of the environment? Absolutely. Is there being hand sanitizer at the counter when you check out part of the environment? Absolutely. Is how we answer the phone when you call, even if you're just curious what time a group run begins, part of the interaction? Absolutely. Is how quickly we're able to get you checked out so that you can get about your day after you've made your selection part of the interaction? Absolutely. Nothing that we did, nothing that we presented that was going to be part of that experience was too small of a detail to be very, very mindful of and as guest advocates to absolutely obsess over. There is a book that many people have heard of, whether it's been read by you or not, that Richard Carlson wrote, Do Not Sweat the Small Stuff was the name of his book. Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, I think is the actual title. And what we would say is that line of thinking when you are truly called to mission work is nonsense. Sweating the small stuff and every single detail as it related to our environment that we provided for our guests and the interaction that we have with our guests, those who were generous enough with their time to spend some of it with us, we were going to make better and better and better and better every single day with every single moment that we could. And that was a big part of it. So as we look at this second question that D2 and I will ask you, what's the real business you're in? I'm going to say that again. The question you need to ask and that we've asked, of course, D2 and continue to ask, rightfully so, what's the real business that we're in? And for us, it's easy to go back to something that was placed on a store wall in May 2004 before we ever opened, has been on the wall in every single store we've opened, every single day we've been open, and that is our promise. And this tells us and helps guide us in terms of the real business that we're in, that Big Peach Running Company is in. And we talk about how we must constantly deliver exemplary customer service and unparalleled product knowledge to all of our guests. Rightfully so, it also says we must continually provide our guests an environment that is inviting, comfortable, and fun. And we must always be mindful of the privilege and the responsibility that we have to make our wonderful city a better place to live, work, and play. And that is so important. It's more of a reminder for us than what it is meant to be a tease for our guests. What's the real business we're in? It's so helpful to look at that promise when we may be, and I think, back to pictures that we've shown to our organization, the first store, and what it looked like in June of 2004. It actually looks barren compared to walking into one of our stores now. It's professionally merchandised. There's lots more product. The inventory levels are much higher. The number of brands with whom we work, far more substantial. We eventually had to make a decision. This is the money that we are allowed to spend on inventory as we get started. This is the expertise that we can afford to do merchandising and to set our stores. Much different 15 years ago. It would have been easy to say, we're not ready. Not yet. This is not the day we open our doors because we want it to look better, look more full, be more professionally merchandised. But that's not the business that we were in. The promise tells us the business that we're in, we turn the key on opening day, we open the doors and say, this isn't the finished product. This is what we've built at this point. And this is our business. And it goes back to the exemplary 
customer service, the unparalleled product knowledge, the environment that's inviting, comfortable and fun, and of course, the privilege we have to serve this city. And we welcome everyone with open arms and we say, here's what we are today and here's what we continue to get better at every single day because this is our business. Next, as we go to question number three, D2, I love the fact that you're sitting next to me to do that. And that is, what are you willing to do? We already talked about this with you. You were making money that you're not making and you were willing to say, I'm going to step into a lifestyle that indicates who I am and just makes me feel more fulfilled. But what else are you willing to do? I will say very confidently that those first 12 months when I was working with coworkers, some who had reported to me and I was untying their shoes, I was tying shoes up for them. It was a little bit uncomfortable, but I knew that that was going to happen. I knew that colleagues of mine with nothing else would make pity purchases at Big Peach Running Company and that there would be these instances now where whether they would call me Al Bundy or whether it would just be a shoe clerk, I was going to be no longer that person making decisions relative to strategic marketing or customer account management. Instead, I was that person that was charged with ensuring I could get their shoe that they brought in off their foot and find something more comfortable on. And it was humbling on occasion, but I knew that would have to be something that I was willing to do. And knowing up front, what a terrific question to ask yourself, really, what am I willing to do? Am I willing to let take a lesser pay cut and go without certain things? Be honest with yourself. And if you say no or not now, or this isn't the season, you should own that. You should claim it and be okay with it. But do not do yourself the disservice of not asking. Is it where you could not possibly imagine cleaning a restroom or making copies for yourself? I had my own assistant doing those things never bothered me, but there are people who it would bother to be doing work that in the past you paid someone else to do. What are you willing to do? D2, I want to talk a little bit about personal growth because Mm -hmm. we think about what we're willing to do. Sometimes that's, well, what are we willing to learn? What are we willing to do differently when we think about what we are willing to do? You and I both share an affinity for personal growth and organizational development, leadership training. And, you know, we've been around material, you know, from Dave Ramsey and John Maxwell and Seth Godin and Donald Miller and all kinds of people that are part of today's kind of leadership cadre of those who would be who we might recommend. There's also all kinds of information in the past that has been given to us from people who were pioneers in this type of thinking. What are some of the things that you say, you know what, I don't know if I would have thought about it two, three, certainly 10 years ago, but now something that I actually look forward to doing that wasn't part of anything I ever did before. Well, I mean, I've, I've always have been in a position of leadership and, you know, but I don't really know that I truly learned how to lead until I got to Big Peach Running Company and until I started paying a bit more attention uh, to some of these podcasts and, um, you know, things, you know, I've read, I'm reading a, a book right now uh, by Simon Sinek, uh, Leaders Eat Last which I think is, is, is something that's, I think, required reading for anyone that is, you know, managing, uh, you know, um, a company. But I think there's a distinction also between managing a company and leading a company. And there's individuals that are, that can be leaders, but are not in a position of authority. 
And I do think that, you know, what I've learned is that sometimes being in a position of authority, you need to be, learn to be a leader. And that's one of the things that I've, I've learned through some of these podcasts. You know, there's this old school uh, way of thinking of, of managing, you know, uh, people. And I think there's a newer way. And it's just like, you know, you got to treat people well. You got to respect them. You got to connect with the individuals. And I think that's one of the things that I've learned that's made a, a, a really big difference in the way how I've communicated and how I've worked with individuals on, on our teams, because I know I wasn't great at it at the very beginning. And I knew that, 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 you know, there were some rough edges that needed to be smoothed out. And I think I've gotten better at it, but I've also, you know, know that I've seen success. I've seen changes. And I think that continues to inspire me to do better because, um, and I think it's part of what we do in our organization is to, you know, like you said, when we first opened up, you know, it didn't ha- wasn't professionally merchandised, but now it's better. So we continue to strive to not only make our locations and our inventory better, but we strive also to make ourselves better, to serve, you know, our, our guests, to serve those that work, you know, with us. And I, I make that distinction because early on, I knew that to be a leader, I didn't want people working for me. I wanted people working with me. And that's easier said than done. I think that's one of the things I've really worked hard to do is to create that type of environment of, of relationship, of having individuals working with me, working alongside of me, working towards the same mission. Well, and one of the things that you bring up, and whether you're thinking right now, gosh, I'd like to be in a different department, or perhaps there's a different position that I don't know whether they'd even want to see my resume or see me apply for it, or maybe you are thinking, gosh, it's the time for me to do my own thing, what D2 says and what you have to be willing to do in my estimation. Oftentimes people will say, well, if you're a small business owner, you work for yourself. And I would add to what D2 just mentioned, if you're a small business owner or you're truly leading, not just managing, to draw out that distinction that D2 shared, you have never worked for more people. The number of people I feel like I work for, I had two vice presidents at one point while I was at a Coca-Cola company, and some people would say, well, that would drive anybody crazy. Now I don't feel like there's anybody I do not work for. Certainly everybody in our organization. And then you throw in our suppliers who, of course, we have agreements, we have credit, we have accounts, we have things. And then you take our guests into account. I work for more people than I've ever worked for. So I may be a small business owner, but I've never had more supervisors, more bosses, more people who are like vice presidents who can tell me what to do. Because every single person in our organization, every guest who's ever come into our store, the suppliers with whom we work, guess what? You have every right to tell me what you think I should do. And the other thing that you mentioned, D2, and I believe this will be where we close this particular three-question subset. You talked about roughing or smoothing out the rough edges. What are you willing to do in order to acknowledge where right now you might not be who you want to be? Such an important part of really determining whether you can take the next step, answering the question that now nothing is holding me back. Are you willing to do what D2 just indicated? And that is where I'm light, where I'm weak, where I sometimes have trouble admitting this is not a strength. To pour yourself into getting better and acknowledging that you are an unfinished work, but with commitment and discipline, it will be better. It will get better and you will be better for it. So the three questions that we've asked you, what's holding you back. And along those lines, can you really afford to be held back 
buy those things? And isn't it true that you could get through those things if you know that fulfillment and a friction-free existence for your personal core values is on the other side? What's the real business you're in? What is it you're really doing or wanting to do? And it's probably not what's on the surface. It's not running at Big Peach Running Company. It is the transformation we want to see occur in our team, in our organization, and in our guests. And then what are you willing to do? What are you willing to sometimes suffer through? What are you willing to change about yourself? Are you willing to sacrifice popularity for productivity and all kinds of other things that will only come when you determine how much you are indeed willing to do? We're going to do this again, D2, in our next episode. We'll continue to keep it tight, but we're not done today. We have more content we cannot wait to share. The time change is just around the corner, the time of year. We want to take each of our listeners and in this entire community into the palm of our hands, tell you how much we love you and want you to stay safe and create a culture of safety for pedestrian active enthusiasts everywhere. So we'll get into that when we get back from this very quick break. Do your feet hurt? Feel any discomfort in your joints or lower back when you run? Your shoes might be the root of the problem. Whatever your fitness level, your feet should be comfortable and your shoes shouldn't be the cause of an injury or keep you from achieving your fitness goals. Come into any of our seven Big Peach Running Company locations for a free three-step fit process, including a video gait analysis. Our professional fitters will help get you into shoes that fit so you can enjoy running, walking, or any activity that requires you to be on your feet. Our 100% satisfaction guarantee will give you peace of mind if your new shoes don't live up to your expectations. Simply return them. No problems, no hassles, no time limit. We want to make sure you're completely happy with your shoes so you can achieve your fitness goals. Visit Big Peach Running Company today. And welcome back to the Run ATL podcast, our small business and safety-minded episode D2. We now turn our attention to the fact that we want more Run ATL listeners every single day, never less, especially because of things that we know happen way too often when it is those pedestrians, those cyclists, those people we care about and love coming in contact whether it be with traffic or just some kind of otherwise avoidable incident. And with the time change that we already mentioned is forthcoming, what a perfect time to talk about this. I've got some tactics and tips. I know you do as well. We're not just going to get our soapbox. We could. We could rail on Atlanta traffic. We could rail on using your cell phone while you're driving through a neighborhood and violating what is now Georgia state law. We could get all kinds of up in someone's grill about the fact that you cannot turn right at a red light without looking both directions because it's possible someone is in the crosswalk and you're not looking at them if you only look right. We could do all that. Right. I'm getting tempted to <laughs> just by relating those items. Instead, we're going to give some important tactics. How about you? Let you go first. I've got something here in front of me that's going to talk about visibility and items along those lines. But let's start more broadly. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is, is, is we want to stress, I mean, at some point, because once you're active in the Atlanta running you know, community or even in the bike community, it's like it's not a matter of, of 
if, but almost a matter of when. There's always someone that we will know either directly or indirectly that has been part of an accident where they've either been hit by a car or almost been hit by a car. So we want to make sure everyone's kind of safe and aware and uh, just keep you know, this, these uh, tips and these, this information top of mind when you're out there, especially if you're running in the dark. So first of all, you know, kind of rules of the road. And I think, you know, I've seen this and, and, and maybe, you know, there's individuals that are, unaware, are not aware. But, you know, runners, we should be running against traffic. We should be able to see the traffic that is coming, you know, uh, towards us. So we should be running on the left side of the road um, so that if there's a vehicle coming towards us, you know, we'll see the vehicle and be able to at least have a chance of getting out of the way. And it's something I'm very conscious of, uh, as opposed to you know getting hit from behind because you're running with traffic. Um, and that same thing goes for cyclists, where cyclists it's the opposite. You know, cyclists you know need to be uh, riding on the same direction as vehicles, and you know vehicles should be giving because it is the law three feet of room when passing. And there's been times where I've been on the bike and I've, and, and I know it's been less than three feet and it's come very close where a mirror has gone by, you know, past me. I've been on the road where I've seen the exact same thing where, you know, the, the vehicle does not even make an effort to give me room. And so we're all, we all drive vehicles. We're not just runners, you know, some of us cycle as well. So we all need to be aware of that and just kind of put ourselves in the, other person's cycling shoes, running shoes, and just be aware of these uh, rules so that we're all safe. And just to be clear on that three feet, and I don't know that this is something we consciously think about as much as we should. That's three feet from the part of your vehicle that is closest to the cyclist. It is not three feet from your left hand on the wheel or where you're sitting. It is not even three feet from your car door. That is 36 inches from the part of your vehicle that is the closest, whether that is a part of your truck bed, whether that is a, an extended mirror or your rear view or side view mirror, if there's some kind of other part of your vehicle that has been attached, that is where the 36 inches begins. Yes, that is true. And I mean, and you know, there's been a lot of, uh, I'd say, uh, drivers have been very aggressive, I'd say, towards cyclists. I mean, just a few weeks ago, uh, up in Cobb County, there was a, a driver in a pickup truck that um, cut off a cyclist and, you know, very quickly slammed on his brakes and the cyclist ran into the you know, tailgate of the, this pickup truck and the driver then drove off. And fortunately, the cyclist had a GoPro camera and caught the entire uh, incident on camera, including the driver's uh, tag. Of the, of the vehicle and so the police were able to track him down and they were able to arrest him but the cyclist ended up with a, I believe a broken neck and he was laying on the side of the road where a you know driver was being very aggressive um, feeling frustrated maybe entitled that a cyclist should not be on the road that the roads are there just for vehicles um, and decided to take his frustration out on you know a cyclist and you know a vehicle will always win over a pedestrian or a cyclist and for there to be a blatant disregard for human life. It's a little concerning and I think we need to be uh, vigilant. I think we need to be aware of the surroundings. I don't think we need to provoke other individuals, especially, you know, in a vehicle that can do far more damage than, you know, a, a bike would. 
Certainly, that is true. Human decency should always win. Unfortunately, there are those examples where somehow that comes out on the losing side of things. A reminder for those instances where such is the case always carry or wear identification. It is true that the first responders will disrobe you entirely if necessary to find who you are. I know D2 for sure. We hope that nothing ever happens to you, but you should have identification with you. Now, here's the thing I want to cover with the time change very quickly. Three terms I'm going to give you. Reflectivity, visibility, and illumination. You really need to know and own the difference. Reflectivity, that's that possibility, whether it's scotch light or other materials, that when illuminated, they are going to provide a response because of the fact that those lights have hit this material. It might be a street light more oftentimes than anything else. It is going to be a vehicle light. But these items do not work if light is not shown on them. So having reflectivity, even what we refer to in our apparel category as 360 degree reflectivity, where there is a hit of scotch light or material on the front on both sides and on the back of that garment. Certainly all of the shoes at a Big Peach running company now have reflectivity in them. If the light does not hit these items, there is no signal that you are there. I'm going to mention that for all of us who are dusk and dawn runners. As we get out of the darkness and the usage and effectiveness of those lights, that reflectivity has no value relative to your safety. Instead, now it is time to think about visibility. I know that poison green and safety orange and some of these really loud, vibrant colors are not the sexiest, most cutting-edge, fashion-forward colors in your wardrobe. But if you are dusk or dawn, if you are in high-traffic areas, you need to be very visible. And the reality is these colors get the job done much better than some other options where the colors are more modeled or more neutral. And when that happens, now you give drivers and others the opportunity to see you with the colors that are more visible. So please, please, please think about that. If you're dusk or dawn, it's not just reflectivity. Put those bright colors on, own those bright colors, wear them proudly, and know that you'll be seen far more visibly. Lastly, D2, illumination. Illumination works two different ways. Think about a headlamp. Think about a flashlight. Certainly, if you're running on a sidewalk that's a little bit dilapidated or uncared for, it's nice to be able to see when the curb comes up and where those cracks are. It also serves the purpose of providing a headlight the same as a cyclist would when they attach it to his or her bike, that there is movement coming in the direction of someone who may also have lights on, but now sees that someone is coming in their direction. So illumination gives people the opportunity to see you and gives you the opportunity to see better around you. Does that mean that if you have your flashlight or headlamp, you should not have reflectivity? We are not saying that at all, but there is a difference. Reflectivity, visibility, and illumination, they're all different for those of us that do this every single month of the year, all season included, we should own and know all of it. Yeah, and, and as far as you know, running, I would say we have a responsibility as well to keep ourselves safe, whether it's in the dark or even in, in daylight. And here's some tips that I would recommend. 
um, that each one of us takes, uh, especially if you're you know out running, is to make sure you stop at intersections. Don't just run through the intersection, even if you have the light, because you're depending on someone else to notice you, to see you, who may be distracted, who uh, a driver may be, you know, turning in a direction, looking for traffic, but not looking for, you know, a pedestrian. So they may be making a right-hand turn and looking at traffic coming in the left direction, but you're on the right side of the vehicle and he never sees you or she never sees you. So be careful with that. Stop in your intersections, make eye contact, and do not cross until you've made eye contact and have gotten an acknowledgement from the driver that you may pass. Um, I think that's, and I've been that runner that has felt like, oh, well, I'm entitled to run because it's a crosswalk and, you know, and have almost gotten hit by a car. And I've gotten angry at the driver, but then have had to go back and go, well, I share some of the blame because I did not acknowledge. I ran through it like I owned the street and he was, you know, felt like he owned the street as well. Well, neither of us are right you know so let's let's <laughs> that let's, doesn't make a wrong exactly or that does make a wrong two it rights does, don't make a two wrongs don't make a right there it is that's Thank what you. it is yeah um so just be mindful of that and you know and you know once you've gotten the acknowledgement you know do a nod a wave something to kind of acknowledge that you know you've been given you know safety you know passage through you know a safe passage you know across but also as a way of just kind of thanking them and and just just being courteous that human decency wins exactly. in that episode yeah. yes indeed be smart be known be seen and as you said d2 stay safe that is absolutely a message worth passing along we'll leave you on that note today podcast do not do PSAs so just know that is our love story for you and how much you are appreciated being part of this broadcast do not fret it will be just two weeks we'll be right back with another episode of the run ATL podcast we'll finish up our small business and we will look forward to having you once again give us indication that you've stayed safe and that we're all ready for the winter and fall holidays ahead Until then, so long, and may your best miles be those covered on foot.